Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your cocktail commodore, master mixologist, and your weekend wine guy. Hey, thanks for joining me today and every Saturday. 11 a.m. to noon, right here on 570 KVI. Uh, Got another great show. Uh, The fact that the Society of Wine Educators Conference is starting on Monday is so fun. Uh, If you are a wine aficionado, need to head down there and register. uh, Check it out. It's probably sold out by now, but uh, it's really cool. If you're a wine geek, geek out this week at the Society of Wine Educators Annual Conference. And if you want to party like a rock star... Head out to the auction of Washington Wines. The picnic is this Thursday, August 14th. The gala is on Saturday the 16th. You can dress up and throw down. And don't forget the Seattle Wine Awards and the Oregon Wine Awards present the gold medal wine experience. September 14th, tickets and details at seattlewineawards.com and westseattlefoodbank.org. Got a great show, like I said. Uh, speaking of the auction of Washington Wines, a special guest coming up. Also have Miss Linda Trotta from Swiftwater Cellars. She's up there um, in the mountains making some really great wine. Uh, but we're going to uh, reminisce and talk about all that is Italy. Italy. I've got Francesco Mazzi uh, from the uh, Francesco Mazzi Winery, and uh, it's in Tuscany. They started in the 11th century, and he's here in studio. Francesco, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> uh, it's great to be, to be here. Yeah, welcome to Seattle. How exciting. And uh, 11th century, so your your family, your ancestors were hanging out in Tuscany in the town of Carmignano and got started planting grapes? Yeah, I would say that's when the uh, we can trace the origin of the family. Uh, 11th century in Carmignano, we have records about winemaking a little later, which is a little bit of a shame. It was 13th century. Uh, well, there were some dark ages <laughs> in there somewhere, and people kind of lost uh, their pens and pencils, so to speak. Yeah. Well, um, that's a lot of history, and... Uh, when I, I believe that the seventh, the eighteenth century is when you really got started as a winemaking area commercially. Well, um, I would say the eighteenth century is when uh, it's a it's a very important century because it's when the Chianti uh, appellation has been set, and which was the the first appellation uh, set by rules uh, by the Grand Duke of Tuscany. So that's a, a turning point for sure. Uh, but at that time, uh, most of the properties were uh, run in a different way that uh, they are t- uh, today. I mean, there was um, they were uh, parcelized and given to families that had to grow uh, crops. their own, yeah, crops, yeah. their own needs. You know, uh, whatever wheat and uh, of course wine and uh, olive trees to make olive oil. Uh, all this kind of stuff, and half of this of their crops of their production was given to the owners. Yeah, the fuel system. Yeah, so the landowner, which is called mezzadria in Italy, and that lasted till the fifties, nineteen fifties. Yeah, crop sharing. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Nineteen fifties, yeah. huh? Yeah. 
Wow. So which yeah. is when most of the uh, properties uh, have been specialized after that. I mean, moving to a direct uh, management with hiring the workers uh, is when the, most of the properties have been specialized to make, in our case, uh, wine, because that was the only real thing that that kind of land, which is very poor. I mean, we're in the Chianti area between Florence and Siena, up on the hills, very rocky, Soil, just there's no soil, I would say, just rocks. So the only thing we could produce there was wine and is, olive oil, and of I'm course. And I'm trying to think, what's the soil called? Is it Tortonian soil? What, what do you mean? Well, there's this, you know, as a sommelier, we study these little things, oh, and yeah. I'm trying to recall my sommelier studies, and I want to say that it was Tortonian soil, which is known in the Chianti region versus... No, home. that's that's another... That's another, Piedmont? Yeah, yeah, yeah Piedmont. see, I got to study Piedmont. more. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, tell, give me in your best Italian accent, tell me the name of the winery and the name of the area. Just give us some romance here. Because the, all right, all right. So, um, the name of our winery is Castello di Fonterutoli which the Americans always pronounce Fonterutoli. I don't know why, but the real pronunciation is Fonterutoli. Fonterutoli. Yeah, which and is in the Chianti uh, Classico area, uh, about 30 miles south of Florence and 10 miles north of Siena, right on the main road, the 222, which is called La Chiantigiana. Awesome. And uh, how many wines are you producing at that site? Do you have one property specifically? or I know you have one in Sicily, which we'll we talk have, about. We actually have three properties. The one I'm, talk, um, I'm speaking about, Fonteruti, is our core property, the one that belongs to us since 1435, 24 generations. But then recently we have had another two. Uh, one is the one you were mentioning, Zizola, in southern east Sicily as we fell in love, in love with that region and with the Nero d'Avola. And the other one is Belguardo in Maremma, which is the south, oh, right. south coast of Tuscany. Fantastic. So three properties. That, yep. That's cool. You get to travel <laughs> yeah. down to the south, get some sun. Yeah, we like driving. <laughs> and uh, you probably drive fast as uh, yeah. those, some of those windy roads. So uh, this particular property, Fontarutoli, Right? Perfect. It's the Chianti Classico, and yes. I see that you've poured the 2011 vintage. Tell me how the 2010 vintage was and 2011 in comparison. 2010 was one of the best vintages of the last 10 years. Uh, it was kind of mild, not too, <clears throat> not too hot in the summertime, uh, a little bit of rain, so it was pretty pretty good for for making some some good wines 2011 it was i cannot say it was as good as 2010 uh, we had a little bit of a heat but uh, final we're pretty happy with even with 2011 in the chianti classico region that's 100 for this particular bottling is 100% sangiovese the rules of well let me say this is 90% sangiovese with uh with a little bit of Malvasia Nera and Colorino, which are indigenous, and a little bit of Merlot, all together 10%. Uh -huh. So it's basically, right. basically Sangiovese. The rules say that you need to have a minimum of 80% uh, of Sangiovese to be to get the Appalachian Chianti Classico. I see. And Malvasia Nero. I haven't, I'm not familiar with that grape, but that's... Uh... There's two Malvasia. There's the Nera and the Bianca, uh -huh. black and white. Um, the Nera is uh, very aromatic and is used to uh, to add aromas to the wine. 
Well, this uh, Fantarutali, Chianti Classico, um, I just took a sip. It's very polished wine. And Chianti Classicos tend to me to be, uh, there's there's a, a, a big spectrum. You've got the rusticity. Of course, you've got the great acidity from Sanchevese and obviously some of those aspirin-like tannins that can, can grip the mouth. But this is a certain concentration and polish. Um, I'm really impressed with this wine. It's in the mouth. Tell me about the flavors we have here. Okay, b- b- before I, I tell you that... Um I think what is important is this. There's a lot of improvements we have done through the centuries and particularly in the last uh, 40 years when the, the viticulture has really been changed uh, to, to be more qualitative. So much higher density, lower yields. So if you look at, the, at, at our fruit, it's, you get clusters that are much smaller than what they used to be because of the low yields. Small raisins and thicker skins, that's how you get more color, more concentration, more character. And when you say raisins, you just mean grapes, not yeah, actually yeah, dried. Grapes, is, uh, yes, raisin, I mean the, 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 little, uh, the little thing. And um, basically, you get some, um, as a flavors, you get some pepper in the wine, and I would say some red fruits, red, uh, red currants, how would you call that? Red, sure. Uh, yeah. Red currant, red yeah. cherry, raspberry. Yeah. yeah, this kind of stuff, yeah. It's it's most of the, I mean we have a big property so we cover slopes with different altitudes, um, and normally the higher you get more acidity, freshness, and and kind of uh, red fruit. While if you go down to the lowest altitudes, we have where it's uh, definitely warmer as a as a climate, you get more uh, power, a uh, bit more rusticity down there, and also. Uh, black, more black fruit. Interesting. Well, it's delicious. And when uh, I take it, this is a, a very modern winemaking facility now because the wine tastes very polished. Yeah, we yes. have we have just well, I say just, but it was seven years ago. We ended our uh, new facility, new winery, which is state of the art, using gravity, digging in the rocks, uh, three floors, and uh, very little manipulation. Very natural. Very soft to enhance the current characters of all the different parts of different vineyards we have, which is which is a huge number. We have 120 different uh, parcels among the, the state. Wow. A lot of diversities. That is incredibly diverse. That yeah. that's, could be one of the most diverse places on the planet as far as winemaking goes. I would think certainly one of the most diverse. That's fantastic. Yeah. Speaking with Francesco Mazzi of uh, Mazzi Wines, am I saying Mazzi, that? Mazzi. Mazzi. Yeah. Mazzi. It, it reminds me of a little bit of a, a sensei. That's how I'm going to do it. And this is a great Tuscan, uh, a Tuscan property. Um, and how many wines do you produce there? We produce six wines. Six wines. Um, and this is the Fantrutoli. That's the American way? Yes. <laughs> You see? It's Fonterutoli. Fonterutoli. That's it. See, I, I okay, I, we have that. We want to, you know, I think it's Bertoli that did it. We can, we can blame that, that olive oil company. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, this is a delicious wine. This is available in Seattle at Esquin Wine Spirits and, and other places, I imagine. Yeah, it's 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 normally available in the independent uh, wine shop. Fantastic! So Esquin and McCarthy, et McCarthy, cetera, yeah, they can certainly uh, order it for you. It's delicious wine. It's got great. It's got some power. But you know, this Chianti Classico, and I think the our consumers, our listeners, um, sometimes can't differentiate what the Chianti Chianti Classico and Chianti Classico Reserva it really means. How how long are this aged in oak for? 
This this particular one, uh, particular one, uh, is aged uh, twelve months a year. Yeah, is that in small barrels? Small barrels, and those are typically uh, used one year, seasoned two year. Uh, Yes, actually, I have to say that uh, small barrels have been introduced progressively, starting in the seventies. Before that, we it was more big casks, okay, instead of instead of small barrels. But definitely, small barrels are giving. uh, are more effective, and uh, it depends very much on the vintage. I mean, this wine it could vary from ten months to fourteen months, depending on the on the structure of the wine. And what is the price point for the Chianti Classico Fontarutelli? This is about, if I'm not wrong, twenty eight. Really. Twenty-eight dollars, oh, something like this. Yeah, this is a, this is a delicious wine that you know. I, I think for for some drinkers that having Chianti Classico, you straddle old world, new world because you don't always know what you're going to get. And so when you're you've got the higher rusticity and the acid, um, sometimes that's not quite as pleasant by the glass. But this is definitely a food wine, but it's so polished that you can enjoy it by the glass. Uh, so that's a, that's a great buy. Twenty-eight dollars, uh, Fontarutoli Chianti Classico, two thousand eleven from the uh, Matze Winery. And I have Francesco Matze here from Tuscany visiting us. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about another wine that has a lot of history. Uh, history going way back to Thomas Jefferson. And uh, coming up on the show, I've got the Auction of Washington Wines special guest. And I also have a uh, winemaker extraordinaire from Washington, Linda Tratta. And I believe she might be a little bit Italian, too. Uh, that'll be fun. She's from Swiftwater Cellars up there um, in that great resort. And uh, don't forget, folks, uh, do you, Francesco, do you have a Twitter handle? Can we tweet you somewhere? Do you have a... Uh, um I I don't personally. Uh, you know, we're we're That's coming right. from we're coming from the past. I mean, I'm just down from a frame uh, as a portrait, and and I'm joking. But uh, the um, the company does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the website would be. Palm Bay. Ah, Palm Bay. Palm Bay Imports. Uh, great company and one of our sponsors here on Happy Hour Radio. So stick around. we got some great guests. We're going to come back and chat up with Francesco Matze uh, from Tuscany here on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, I'm Jeff Lindsay Thorson with WT Vintners and RN74, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. The home of the great one, Mark Levin. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. <laughs> And welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, and here in studio with Francesco Mazze from Tuscany. And he's got uh, two fantastic wines and a great property there, well, on Sicily as well. And on the coast, uh, the Tuscan coast, is, and that's in the town of Maremma. Francesco, um, tell me about this second wine. It's called Philip, and it has this picture of someone who looks like, well, looks like George Washington in a way, or Thomas Jefferson. Who is Philip? Well, he was very close to those guys. Uh, Philip is Philip Matzei, actually Filippo Matzei originally. Filippo. But then uh, as he came to to Virginia in 1773 to plant vineyards, 
uh, he had, I mean, he was, um, he was kind of a crazy guy at that time. He, 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 he was a surgeon, but he didn't like the profession, so he moved to, <laughs> he, he quit it, and he went to London to do trading bet- between Tuscany and England. And he was asked uh, from the, by the Grand Duke of Tuscany to buy two stoves from Benjamin Franklin. Which which was famous to make some special stoves at that time. So he got uh, he, he he got friend of uh, of Franklin and through Franklin with Adams and Washington and through them he met Jefferson, and they shared the same passions. One of these being wines. So he was convinced to go to Virginia to plant uh, vineyards there, assuming that Virginia. Is at more or less at the same latitude of oh. most of the European wine, best wine regions. Uh-huh. So he did. He moved from Tuscany with uh, forty workers, and and he went to Virginia, where he landed in 1773. And uh, then they started this kind of. Hopefully, he got out in the next few years, right? <laughs> <laughs> they started this company together, and uh, and uh, more than the wine, he was very involved in the. In the independence, in the politics, uh, this guy was coming from Tuscany that at that time was very much ahead, very liberal, modern, uh, progressive. So he he brought a lot of new ideals, um, and and one of these, uh, the most important, inspired Jefferson, and it was that all men are created equal, which Jefferson paraphrased from the writings of Philip Matsey wow. and used as the cornerstone of the Declaration that's of Independence. That's cool. I just got some chills. Like, yeah. really, I mean, this is, that's so fantastic. Yeah. And uh, it's nice to know that he recognized some great words when he heard them <laughs> and able to use them. So thanks to Philip. And I'm wondering when we're going to find Philip's uh, special vault of wine. Oh, my goodness, we've got all these wines from the, you know, the 1800s that we found. Yeah. But uh, this is fantastic. So tell me what's inside of uh, Philip Matsey. So Philip is a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's it's a project we had in 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 our mind together with my brother for a long time. But we needed to have the right wine to you know we had the idea the concept, but we need we needed to have the the the, the right wine. Finally, uh, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, but this is, is a blend of two different sources. One is Fonterutoli, so up on the hills of the Chianti Classico, where we get the elegance. And the other one is from the coast, from the Belguardo property, where mm. we get the power and the and the spices. So it's a combination of these two. Very beautiful uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, very Tuscan. We say made in Tuscany, as well as Philip was made in Tuscany. The guy <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, some and starry night. Very food driven. There's a nice acidity. It's it's a it's a Tuscan, definitely a Tuscan Cabernet. Well, this is um, you know when I thought the. Uh, Fonterutoli was a very polished wine. This takes the polish in elegance, but um, power to the next level. Uh, this wine is is deep, dark flavors: the boysenberry, blackberry, uh, black cherry, black fig, um, polished tannins. The tannins are just very, very soft but firm, just like Cabernet should be. And the acidity is long; it's got a great long finish. Uh, I understand this is about forty-five, fifty-dollar wine, right? Yeah, it's about fifty dollars, fifty bucks. Yeah. Um, and this is certainly shows its pedigree. You've got. Uh, um, a lot of, of great flavors in here. Uh, the earth note, but also some new barrique. I get a sense of some, some great uh, uh, biking spices, flavors, and vanilla and 
Oh, it's delicious. Well, congratulations on, on well, again, welcome to Seattle, um, and thanks for sharing these fantastic wines available at Esquin and McCarthy and Shearing. Uh, for those of you who want to check out one of the most amazing websites, please go to palmbay.com. And uh, you can check out the, the entire family of Palm Bay wines, which include uh, many Italian properties, uh, including Matze. Um, Francesco Matze, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure as well. And I'm, pl- I'm very pleased to have two little sips of wine left. We'll see how long those last here. Uh, coming up on the show, I've got a uh, special guest from the Auction of Washington Wines. And it's my pleasure to introduce Miss Linda Trotta from Swiftwater Cellars. Linda... Welcome to Happy Hour. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, so uh, Suncadia is a beautiful place up in Roslyn, Washington, up in the uh, Snoqualmie Pass. And uh, you found your way from California up to the Snoqualmie. Tell me about your origin in California wine. Um, I made wine in California for uh, almost 25 years, um, all in, in Sonoma Valley. Uh, the last 20 years of that was as director of winemaking at Gunlock Bunchy Winery in Sonoma Valley. And uh, that's a very famous winery. That's that goes back. I mean, they've been around a long time. Yeah, uh, the oldest family-owned winery in uh, in California. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of knew that, which yeah. is really cool. So, um, tell me something. You've been to Washington now for four years. Yes, four years. Yeah. And um, what what do you believe the difference is in the style of fruit that we have from Sonoma versus well, we'll say Washington because we have what thirteen AVAs now, but. Uh, Tell yeah. me some similarities and differences. Yeah, in in general, um, I mean, I can I can speak mostly to the fruit I was working with in Sonoma Valley, uh, which was at the southern end of the valley, bordering on Carneros. It was a fairly cool microclimate. Um, so similarly, we did have some fairly good acid retention. Um, the tannins were were fairly structured, uh, but I'd say Washington State in general takes that a step farther. Um, just some really nice, nice natural acidity that's that's retained in the wines, and and the tannin structures in the reds are definitely uh, bigger and and broader. So when it comes to uh, the structure of a wine, how how different is that from California? Is California truly just was the Gunluck Bunchu style to be generous, or was it just to be balanced? I know that Napa sometimes wants to be generous and and just you know ripe and plush without so much structure because that's what gets the big scores. But what was your winemaking style down there? Um, it, it, it's fairly similar to what it is up here. Um, it, it lending more towards the structured. You know, um, you know, I like to drink wines with a meal, and to have a wine with very little acid and very soft tannins, it kind of gets lost in the meal and doesn't really play with the food um, as well. Um, and so I, I like some, some acidity. I like some, some structured tannins, but, I, but wine should not assault you. It shouldn't hurt to, to drink. <laughs> and so I like my tannins rounded, and, and I want the whole wine balanced, and I like a, a certain amount of finesse. So Swisswater Cellars is up uh, as... as- Located at Suncadia, but uh, I understand it's a separate individual winery. Tell me about it. Yeah, um, uh, and that's a, a common mis- misconception about the winery. It is completely independent from Suncadia. It's owned by Don and Lori Watts. They purchased 30 acres of land off of the uh, the resort ownership. Uh, Don and Lori have a background in farming in, in Washington State um, and, and produce, uh, frozen produce. Uh, they owned Watts Brothers um, down near Patterson, um, and after building a basically a frozen produce empire, um, got out of that, 
made their fortune and uh, made their fortune a little bit smaller by building a winery. <laughs> the old adage. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Swiftwater Cellars, it's, uh, we, we do about 5,000 cases. I make the wine right there on site, uh, but it's really a destination winery. We have a restaurant. We have an event center. This year we're going to do something like 50 weddings. Um, it's wow. right, on a, right on a golf course. Um, it's family-friendly, so it's really a nice kind of destination place. It's 80 miles from, from Seattle, so it's an easy day trip for folks. Yeah, it's yeah. close enough and far enough to be someplace special, and I love those trees, of course, until they fall down yeah. in the windstorm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, production at Gun- uh, Good Luck Bunshu was quite much larger, right? Yeah, during the 20 years I was there, we ranged from a, a peak of about 85,000 down to about 40,000 when I left, 40,000 cases. And now you're at 5,000 cases, so yes. you must have a little more time on your hands, or does it feel like you have a little more pressure? Um, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, and I was talking to another, another winemaker about this recently where, um, it really doesn't matter how many cases you're doing. Um, if you're, if you're working with a lot of different fruit and making, you know, several different skews or, or, or bottled labels, um, it's just as much work. It's just, you know, you, have, <laughs> you know, a hundred barrels can be as, as time consuming as, as five barrels, depending on how you're, how how uh, micromanaging you are with the wine. Did you, are you a UC Davis grad, or where did you... I am. I got my bachelor's at Davis. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, yeah. it's good to see that, uh, and you're so connected. Uh, there's that uh, Brian Carter Sellers up here. He's got one of those degrees, and uh, Carrie Shields from Bonneville. How many fruit sources do you have uh, for Swiftwater Cellars? Um, right now, we, we're pulling from uh, four or five AVAs, and I have um, eight or nine different growers, or, or vineyard blocks, you know, probably five different growers. And have yeah. you found a vintage that you really are enamored with so far in this short four years? Yeah, you know, uh, 10 was my first vintage, um, and so there's a soft soft spot in my heart for that. I mean, my first Washington vintage, but I think I'm really excited about the 11s. Um, I'm, I'm really liking how the, the tannins are, are knitted and, and how the, uh, the you know, there's this nice core vein of acidity through the wines, and I think they're going to age very well. Um, and there's um, there's a nice bright fruit quality to that. I agree. I think 2011 is going to be a hallmark vintage for yeah. Washington State and something we will long to have again. <laughs> Hopefully yes. we can do that. Yes. Speaking with Linda Trotta, uh, chief winemaker, and what other titles do you hold? Uh, well, you know, at a small winery, you wear many hats, exactly. so we, we could go on. Uh, yeah. uh, for Swiftwater Cellars, information at swiftwatercellars.com. Um, so we come back from this break, we're going to dive into two fantastic wines, I'm sure. Uh, number nine, Riesling, and the Swiftwater Cellars Proprietary Red. So stick around here on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, I'm Jeff Cox with PCC Natural Markets, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570KVI. Lars Larson has the real story, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570KVI. Talk Radio 570KVI want to know weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and it's Happy Hour Radio on 570KVI. Hey, coming up on the show, I've got Chef Stephen Snook from uh, Salish Lodge, also up uh, there in the mountains. Um, and right now, I've got Linda Trotta, a head winemaker in uh, Wear of Many Hats at SwiftwaterCellars.com up in Suncadia. Uh, Linda, tell me about all the wines you're producing up at Swiftwater. Yeah, you know, when I uh, when I left Gunlock Bunchu, I was doing about 24 different 
different labeled wines. And one of the things that attracted me to, to Swiftwater um, was the fact that at the time we were doing five different wines. I'm now up to 14. <laughs> um, but it's a testament to the diversity of Washington State fruit, as you well know, Chris, and, and just you know how much fun it is to, to make all these different wines. And so we have three labels. We have the number nine label, uh, which is named for the coal mine on which the winery is built. Um, up, up in Cleellum. Uh, then uh, we have our estate label, which is Zephyr Ridge. Uh, Don Watts owns a, a small vineyard uh, down near Patterson in the Horse Heaven Hills. And then uh, we have the Swiftwater label, which is kind of our upper upper tier. And um, so, and and again, for all the wines, that the goal is is for them to be to be balanced, finessed. We want you to taste what what a riesling tastes like, taste what a chardonnay tastes like, and use things like oak and malolactic and, and all those other tools that we have just, just to prop it up and, and to make it interesting and give it texture. Well, I'm excited to taste the number nine Riesling. It's the 2013 Columbia Valley. How many sources of fruit go into this wine? It's just one source. Uh, this is sourced from uh, the Olson Brothers uh, Vineyard in Prosser, uh, just outside of Prosser, Yakima Valley. I was just there last there, week. Yeah, yeah. No, I work directly with Leif Olson. He does a great job. Um, we're actually adjacent to a vineyard that uh, St. Michelle sources for... Um, the Eroica. So it's, it's kind of a nice pedigree area. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Chef Stephen Snook could comment on this Riesling. I understand he likes Riesling. Uh, Chef, what would you pair with this wine? I mean, yeah, I, I love Rieslings. I think they're really fresh and clean and delicious. I mean, my wife turned me on to Rieslings. Um, really, I, I love fresh fish with Riesling, especially things like Carpaccios. I mean, at the mm. moment, we're getting, I mean, we're getting fantastic halibut right now. I mean, just a really nice halibut Riesling, some roasted off grapefruit, and the... Uh, the Riesling itself would be delicious. Ah, well, I like it. Um, this is uh, this has got good ripeness. It's got a good weight to it, but it also that hallmark acidity for Riesling, uh, and it's more on that peach nectarine, um, a little bit of melon note here. Uh, and this is Yakima Valley, huh? Yakima Valley, yes. And uh, you said you have a Chardonnay, a Riesling, and any other whites there? At uh, we do a Semillon, mm. um, and I and we do that in a. It's partially tank fermented, partially uh, neutral oak fermented. Um, the, and I'd never made a Riesling before I, before coming oh. up here. Um, and it's just, it's, it's fascinating and it's a, it's, it's a white wine that I really think, uh, ages well. Um, you know, I'm drinking the That's 10 the Germans. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. so fun. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for championing Semillon. I'm still hoping that someday it will catch on because it's still so fun to say, I'll have the Semillon, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, you have another wine here called the Swiftwater Cellars Proprietary Red. And I always like the proprietary part. What makes it so proprietary? Um, just the fact that, uh, that we like it and we, we, you know, I, I actually seriously don't know where the name came from because it was, was, the label was developed before I came on. Um, but it is a, uh, Cabernet based Bordeaux style red, um, primarily Cabernet and Merlot with a little bit of the other three, Malbec, uh, Petit Verdot and, uh, Cabernet Franc. Mm-hmm. Um, meant to be, it's, it's one of our bigger wines. So meant to be a big, big wine that you, you know, you enjoy with a, with a, with a, Maybe maybe even steak and kidney pie. <laughs> <laughs> Why have we got to go with steak and kidney pie? Yeah. It's the English part, right? It has to be steak and kidney pie. Uh, well, that's all we know. You need to do a better promo for uh, that London fair. Um, well, I'm just tasting this. This is the 2010 uh, Columbia Valley Red Wine uh, from Swiftwater Cellars, and it's delicious. I think it's this is the right time to drink it. I think it needs a little bit of bottle age just to sort of soften and let everything round out. But it is a full-bodied wine, dark red fruit, dark black fruit. Um, the tannin is just moderate to moderate plus. I think there's a hint of oak tannin here. Uh, and the, you managed, I like the term you said, knitted. The tannin is very well knitted here. And the acidity is bright, gives a long finish. Thank you. Yeah. How many sources of fruit go in here? 
Uh, this is uh, four sources uh, covering Walla Walla, Red Mountain, and Waluk Slope. Mm. Yep. You got that covered. Well, um, mm. if uh, you have tasting room and visiting hours up there at, at Suncadia Swiftwater Cellars? We do. Uh, seven days a week during, during the uh, outside of winter. Um, open at noon, close when uh, the last person leaves. <laughs> not, yeah, serving lunch and dinner every day. Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, um, I'm definitely going to stop off again. I've, I've been up there and had a dinner in the cellar. It's nice. a lovely place. And do you, are you still doing a Pinot Noir? We are. We do source uh, a little bit of Pinot Noir out of the Willamette Valley, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, you've got uh, the best of the Northwest That's with it. Riesling, Semillon, Chardonnay, Proprietary Red, and uh, Pinot Noir. Um, well, I understand you're having an event up there called Wine in the Pines. Tell me yes. about that. Yes, Wine in the Pines is uh, kind of a celebration, kind of the last celebration of summer. And, and we bring together 25 or so wineries, some breweries, and a few distillers, and some small bites. And we do it out on the, out on the lawns at, at Swiftwater. It's usually a beautiful day. And, and it's, it's casual, it's, it's fun, and, and uh, we usually get a good turnout. You wear your lumberjack yeah. tuxedo up there? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> August 31st? <laughs> August 31st. All right. Tickets available at swiftwatersellers.com. Linda Chada, thanks for joining me on mm-hmm. Happy Hour Radio. You're very welcome, Chris. Thank you. Chef Stephen, I understand that you actually have some uh, Swiftwater wines over at Salish Lodge, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. But yes, yes, we do. We've, we've been working with uh, Swiftwater for about four or five months now. Um, it's been a really exciting partnership for us to actually, you know, work with this producer and their wines pair so well with the food. It makes it really easy. It makes my job easy. I mean, it's a hard life to have to taste food, drink wine, taste food, drink wine. But, <laughs> you know, fortunately, Swiftwater makes it really easy for us. I mean, the Riesling itself is it's delicious. I mean, it's one of my favorite wines. So. Oh, I love it. And uh, obviously the accent, you hail from an island, I bet. I do. And it's not Australia. Uh-huh. Funny enough. Yeah, I'm from England, from London. Well, welcome to the Pacific Northwest. Thank Very you. similar. You had some rain yet? We've had a little bit. Okay. Had a little bit. Not too much. I mean, we've had a really nice summer. I mean, everyone keeps telling us how great the summer's been so far, and, you know, I I definitely agree so far. It's not. true. Yeah. But, yeah, not looking forward to winter. I know. Remember that. Remember that beautiful summer we had. Right. Take some photos. So, um, how long have you been cooking in this the, the culinary world? When did you enter this? Uh, I started cooking when I was 14. Ah. So, it's 17 years ago now. It's, okay. It's been a while. 14, 17, that's a young man. Very right. good. <laughs> and you, how did you find your way to Salish Lodge? It's been a long road. Um, I was in London for a long time, um, moved over to New York, um, was working in New York for uh, three years, um, started a family, decided that New York wasn't for me, for a family. Um, so we moved to California, actually moved to Sonoma Valley, um, was in Sonoma for two and a half years, working with a group called Columbia Hospitality, um, oh. who actually manages Salish Lodge and Spa. Uh-huh. Um, Two and a half years in, they gave me a call and said, hey, do you fancy moving up to Washington for a do while? Do you fancy? And, do I fancy? <laughs> uh, moving up to Washington for a while. So, you know, came up, had a look around and decided, you know, why not? It looked a fantastic place and amazing for families and wine and food and kind of reminds me a little bit of England as well. Oh, good. Well, it's good to have you feeling at home in the Pacific Northwest, speaking with Chef Stephen Snook of Salish Lodge. And you're working with the Auction of Washington Wines this year, right? I am, yeah. I'd literally just got into town. I'd been here maybe three weeks when they reached out to us and asked to do one of their winemaker dinners. Very cool. And uh, that's going to be at... Craig Kinsler's house in it Lake is. Sammamish. It is, yeah, very excited out there. I've, I've seen some pictures of the home, and it looks, you know, beautiful house, lots of space. It's going to be a fantastic venue to do a dinner. Oh, excellent! And have you had a menu planned yet, or are you going to pull it out of the hat? Yeah, no, the menu's been done for a little while now. Um, 
we uh, we're working with some fantastic winemakers. We were paired up with three different winemakers through the uh, through the dinner, so it's kind of oh. had to work with those to figure out what wines they were going to provide us with. And we're going to be working with uh, Sparkman Cellars, with Avena, and Force Majeure. Oh, the three great. That, we've, we've, that I've been paired up with. So each course is going to be paired with a different winemaker, a different wine. So they'll have their winemakers down there as well. So. Plus, we'll have a few well, songs. Well, you got the Chris's. You got Chris Sparkman, mm-hmm. Chris uh, Peterson, and uh, I'm not, Force Majeure. He's got five or six wineries. <laughs> Paul, uh, Paul, uh, what's Paul's? Uh, Paul's got some wine. Paul McBride. That's right. Force right. Majeure, I believe. Yes. Well, lucky you. Um, well, I imagine that's going to be a Red Mountain Festival over there. On Lake yeah, they've, <laughs> they've got a lot of red wine. That's for sure. Yeah. So be sure you beef that up or, or use whatever. Uh, I see you brought something cool. You brought some salt. Yeah, I did. So... Um one of the, the uses of red wine for me, I mean, it's, I love marinating meats. You know, I'm, I'm kind of traditionally French trained, so I love the beef bourguignons and, you know, lamb navarans and those kind of things that you're really allowed to sit in the wine for a while. But it's not always the most practical thing to do. <laughs> so we wanted to try and find a way to impart that flavor into the meat. So we, uh, we developed a, a red wine salt using a burgundy style salt, um, burgundy wine, sorry. And we basically take two bottles of wine to one pound of salt and dehydrate it. Uh-huh. until it goes back to salt form and then we use that to season all of our red meats to help impart that real richness into the meat well i just smelled the salt and i tasted obviously it tastes like salt but mm-hmm. the, the aroma is so mm-hmm. interesting because you don't think of salt to be able to have an aroma but it right. gives you this uh, ethereal sense but also makes your mouth water and uh, that's a very cool dish uh, or uh, a seasoning yeah i mean when you start to cook with it i mean that aroma then imparts itself into the meat so. Well, do you uh, would you have your menu available uh, online for the auction of Washington Wines dinner on it is, the fifteenth? Yes. Great. It is. And uh, when we come back from this break, I want you to tell me a couple of the dishes that you specialize up there at Salish Lodge. And uh, my chef at the Rainer Club, when I was there for fifteen years, also worked at the Salish Lodge. So I have great respect uh, for all the the, the top quality. Uh, culinarians that uh, Columbia Hospitality has put forth uh, as one of our hallmark, landmark destinations, I should say. So stick around. Uh, we'll be right back after this break on Happy Hour Radio. The home of the great one, Mark Levin. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, it's Happy Hour here in the studio in Seattle. Uh, it's Happy Hour Radio. Had a great show today with Francesco Matze of MatzeWine.com and, of course, the lovely Linda Trotta from SwiftwaterCellars.com. Right now, Chef Stephen Snook of SalishLodge.com. Chef, you're doing a winemaker dinner for the auction of Washington Wines on Friday, August 15th. Uh, I understand it's sold out, so boo-hoo, but uh, tell me what's on that menu. Um, so we've got a few different things. So obviously, we've, we've been doing a uh, canapé reception for the first hour. Um, decided to keep it very light, very uh, very Pacific Northwest. So we've done a, uh, a thyme and uh, pine smoked gougere mm. as one of the first ones. Um, we're doing a spot prawn tartare mm. as a little bite. I mean, very fresh, very clean. Um, and then throughout the meal, we're doing lots of different courses. Um, we're doing four different courses through the meal, obviously working with each one of our purveyors, uh, each one of the wine makers, sorry. Um, one of the courses I'm the most excited about is actually a uh, a slow poached loin of lamb with a milk braised shoulder. Um, it'll be the very end of the English peas and uh, Oregon morels. 
well, you know, you have uh, found yourself in quite the bountiful state with uh, the fresh mushrooms and mm-hmm. corn and asparagus and seafood and, of course, the lamb. We have Ellensburg lamb. and not sure where you get yours, but I love it. Um, so... I understand you won't be able to make the picnic at the uh, auction of Washington Wines on Thursday the 14th. Uh, no, unfortunately. I mean, up at Salish, we are extremely busy all the time, and you know, I haven't managed to break away much at the moment. So, Well, I'm glad you're here, because it's great to meet you. Uh, do we call each other blokes? Yeah, why not? We can be blokes. <laughs> Mates, pals, chums. Mates. That's, I love it. Um, but if you are interested in attending the auction of Washington Wines picnic on the 14th, that's held at Chateau Saint-Michel. Tickets are still available at auction of Washington auction of washingtonwines.org um, and if you'd like to have the most fun in the world check out the gala auction on the saturday the 16th also at the winery and uh, all these uh, all these great people are help uh, help to cover the costs for medical care for people young kids children at children's hospital so Stephen, uh, you've got some cool events up at SalishLodge.com. The Salish Lodge, you, you got some. Was it music event? We do. Yeah, we have something called Music on the Green. Um, so up at the lodge, we obviously have we, we're sat on the falls, and we have something called the Centennial Green, which is on the falls, which literally overlooks the falls. And uh, on Thursday evenings, we're doing um, different event. Uh, basically, it's a live music event. So you can come up and you get a picnic and a bottle of red wine, and you can sit down and just listen to some fun music and have an enjoyable evening. It is very enjoyable up there, just like it is in Sun Cadia. Uh, what coincidence! We've got uh, two of the the landmark places in Washington that are destinations with great food, great wine, and great views, of course. Um, and I'll look forward to getting up there because my uh, special someone lives over in Sammamish. And that's very close. She goes up there for spa treatments all the time at SalishLodge.com. So uh, I'm glad you're here, and uh, you'll be able to stick around for a while in the business, and we'll see see you someday at the auction of Washington Wines and not oh, at someone's definitely. private house. Yeah, I'll definitely be there. I mean, this year was definitely, I mean, I'd only just got to the area, so, you know, just getting my toes wet this time, and then for next year, we'll, we'll dive right in. Excellent. Well, uh, so fun having you on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you so much. So, uh, hey, everybody, if you want to check out, and I know Linda meant the end of summer, but don't say that. That's not fair. The uh, Wines in the Pines, August 31st. Say it isn't so. Uh, they should really have that in October when we get that fine Indian summer. But uh, August 31st at SwiftwaterCellars.com, they host the Wine in the Pines, breweries, wineries, and distilleries, and some great food. You get a chance to meet Linda up there. Uh, and then Thursday nights, it's Music on the Green at Salish. Lodge.com, and you can go uh, poke your head in the, in the back and, and check on uh, Chef Stephen Snook and his really tasty burgundy salt. Well, you know, in all fairness, we'll be looking for something like a Riesling salt soon, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely on the cards. I mean, starting to look through some different wines and, you know, start really using the, uh, you know, the, the Washington to, to make these salts. Well, you'll have plenty of time to get yourself acquainted. Come come winter, I imagine it'll slow down a little bit. Uh, so glad you're here. Uh, hey, coming up on the show next week, I've got some fantastic guests. Um, two of them, actually, and one is uh, from a champagne house. It's called Krug. You may have heard of it. Uh, if you haven't, you should, because it's one of the most luxurious champagnes in the world. I have Monsieur Julien Papin Le Hallier, uh from Krug Champagne, and also uh, the inestimable Edward Holmes, who uh, represents... Oregon Winery King Estate Wines. 
want to uh, see me out at the picnic on Thursday, August 14th, uh, the Auction of Washington Wines picnic. Check out tickets at auctionofwashingtonwines.org. And don't forget, save the date for September 14th. That's a Sunday. If you hadn't had enough wine at Wine in the Pines or music on the green, you have to go to the Gold Medal Wine Experience. Sunday, September 14th. Tickets and details at westseattlefoodbank.org and seattlewineawards.com. Um, again, I want to thank my guest, Francesco Matze, uh, from the Tuscan wine producing family uh, in, well, shoot, 12th century. That's a long time. It's good it's good to have all those photos of grandfathers. I don't think I have that many grandfathers. I don't have pictures of them anyway. Uh, and Linda Trotter from Swiftwater Sellers, thanks for joining me. And, of course, uh, my mate, my new bloke, uh, <laughs> Chef Steven Snook uh, from SalishLodge.com. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, so looking ahead, uh, next week is Krug Champagne and Kig Estate Wines. And uh, the events are Auction of Washington Wines. You'll see me there. Hey, folks, don't forget, uh, life is always better with a designated driver. Thanks for joining me. See you next week.